So a word that we've become pretty callous and numb to, and we don't even really know what it means when we say it most of the time, is love. Think of it like this, okay? Out of the same word we use to say, I love steak and I love my wife. Okay, <laughs> people also have, have told us, I love you, and then stabbed us in the back. And I'm sure we've done the same if we're honest to someone else as well. We see many movies, many shows depicting true love that, quite frankly, are nonsense when it comes to love. We hear so many songs about real love that twists its true meaning. And we even hear and sing a lot of songs as Christians about love. And even when love is depicted correctly, it often loses its flavor and its meaning because we stop thinking about and being amazed by what love is and means. I sing Jesus Loves Me uh, to my kids often, and uh, I, I don't really know how that even started. Um, but before they go to bed, we sing them a song, and, and often the song is Jesus Loves Me. And there's, there's really thought-provoking lyrics in that song when you think about it. It's probably why it's been sung by so many generations and why I just kind of did it blindly. But um, if you think about it, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I mean, even that line begs the question, where in the Bible does it tell us that? And then, what does Jesus loves me actually mean? So the scripture we have for today brings clarity and comfort to both of those questions. Jesus does indeed love us. And it is all over scripture. And we're going to find that it's in our scripture for today. But Jesus loves us. And I want to show you today that he loves you more than you even dared imagine. So, if you have a Bible, if you turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. I, and I really want you to follow along in the scripture today. Um, so if you have a Bible or a version Bible app, download that quick if you don't have a Bible. And follow along, but we're in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, and you're going to see that this passage, we're going from 2.13 to 3.5, and just in case you didn't know this before, um, the, 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 the verse breaks and the chapter breaks were invented by humans, okay, not put there by Paul when he wrote it, um, so uh, this 2.13 to 3.5 is a coherent thought here, so we're going across chapter breaks here, but this passage is bookended with the clear point that God loves us, and then in between, he describes God's love. So here we are, 2 Thessalonians 2.13. But we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel so that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm 
and hold to the traditions you were taught, whether by what we said or what we wrote. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good work and word. In addition, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to God's love and Christ's endurance. So as I said, this passage is bookended with the clear point that God loves you. That's what he's saying to the Thessalonians. And in between, Paul brings crystal clarity to what that means. Now this morning, I'm not going to put up anything on the screen. I'm not going to put up points or anything like that because I really want you to be amazed by this scripture as you read it. So I want you to just be focused on your copy of the Word of God as we go through this. And, you know, sometimes it's helpful for me to give you some main points and put them on the screen and all of that to bring clarity. But my aim today is to have you not learn some new facts, although I'm sure you will. But it's rather that you would be moved and stirred in your affections for the immeasurable love of God that you would would not just know in your head, but believe in your heart that Jesus, in fact, does love you. So... Let's start with the phrase, God loves us. Let's break this down. What does this mean? 2.13, but we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. Paul's starting by reminding them of two fundamental realities, that they are loved and that they are loved by God himself, the Lord. They are loved What is true biblical love? What is the love of God? What was Paul saying here? Now I've done through the years a lot of study on this word used here in this passage and throughout the Bible. And after all of that study, I actually think that a children's Bible puts it best in defining this. So Sally Lloyd-Jones in her book, The Jesus Storybook Bible, described it as never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. But I'll change it because you can't use love in the definition of love, right? So say it again. Never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever affection or care. He's telling them, hey, God will never stop loving you and he will never give up on you and his love will not break. It will be for eternity. He will always care for you and he's reminding them that they are not just loved, they are loved by the Lord, God himself. He starts this way because he's transitioning from the last passage. So last week, Alex Tuckness did such a great job. If you missed this, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 12, it's a passage on the doom awaiting unbelievers in the end times. That's what was just said. Like, just look, that's what's going on there. 
But Alex did such a great job. I can't overstate this. I've heard a lot of messages. I grew up in the church. I've heard a lot of messages on the end times, okay? And I've heard some not so great ones. Um, and, or I've heard ones that just kind of major on the minors. His was fantastic. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. But he transitions, Paul transitions from unbeliever's doom to now believer's assurance of God's love in order to encourage them. Because if you remember, the Thessalonians were going through some really hard stuff in life. They were being persecuted and going through hard times. And so he wants to encourage them and assure them. And today, church, let's let these fundamental realities that Paul started with here sink into our own hearts and souls as well, that we are loved. You might be like, Matt, I, I know that. I'm like, yeah, okay, but do you know it? Do you live in it? Do you, do you love it, the fact that you are loved by God? Does it drive your activity? Or do you go through the day and forget it functionally and start acting like a functional atheist, like you're not loved by the Lord? You are loved. And you are loved by God himself, the king of the universe, the Lord our Savior, our friend, the sovereign Lord of everything who literally breathed and things were created, loves you. I'm not asking if you know intellectually that God loves you. I'm asking if you believe it with every fiber of your being. So let's get into it. What does God loves us actually mean? Well, again, in 2.13, he says, We ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God has chosen you for salvation. God loves us means that he has chosen us from the beginning for salvation. God loves them, the Thessalonians, the believers in Thessalonica, and he begins with this because he wants to just drive home that he chose them, of all of the people, them. And if you are in Christ, of all of the people of all time, he chose you. When I think about this, I'm like, does God even know me? Like, did he, did he understand what I just thought the other day or see what I did? Like, yes. Yes, he did. And he still loves you. Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 8, has a similar thought. It says, For you are a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his own possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord had his heart set on you and chose you, not because you are more numerous than all the peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but because the Lord loved you. You're like, well, that's, that's circular reasoning. Yeah, it's circular reasoning because the reason the Lord loves us is because he loves us. Like, there's no rational reason. If we went with rational reasons, he would not love us. The Lord loves us because he chose us for salvation. What else does God loves us means? It, it means us means that he didn't just 
choose us. He set us apart by the Holy Spirit. Let's keep reading in verse 13. But we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Sanctification literally means to be set apart. So how did the Thessalonians and any follower of Christ get salvation? Well, the Holy Spirit sets them apart as God's precious and loved child. And he does this because Jesus took their sinful record on himself on the cross. Which now makes them, makes us who believe holy, set apart. Sanctification. We're set apart by the Holy Spirit. But what is our part? In salvation, though, God loves us. He chooses us. He sets us apart by the Spirit. But when does this happen? It says there, right at the end of verse 13, through belief in the truth. Verse 14, he called you to this through our gospel. Here is when the Holy Spirit sets someone apart and makes them his. When he calls them, as verse 14 says, and they respond to that call by believing the gospel. So first, I just have to ask you, is God calling you to believe today? Here's the gospel. The gospel is, simply means good news, but here's what it is. As we look at scripture, the good news starts with the bad news that we are sinful. We rebel against God with our sinful, selfish acts and ways. And before we even did anything, that was our nature, sinful. And so we need to repent of our sin before a holy God and believe that Jesus came and died on a cross to take the punishment for the sin that we deserved and rose from the dead. So now we can trust in Christ And walk with him now and live forever with him. This is the good news of the gospel. I'm asking you first, do you believe that? And if you have not, repent of your sin and believe. Now this looks different for everyone. But literally in your seat right now, you could choose to respond to the Holy Spirit's call to believe. It doesn't have to be something big and flashy. Repent. Turn away from your sin and believe in Christ. For me, I knew scripture pretty well. I grew up in the church, like I said earlier, but I was at a camp and I was sitting there and I actually knew we were doing this thing called, uh, um, man, I can't even remember what you call, call it, but where they tell you like Romans 3.23 and then you get the sword drill, got it. A sword drill where you, See, you can get there the fastest. And I was the one getting there the fastest because I knew my Bible. Knew my Bible. But I was living for me. I wanted to get there fast so so that uh, I was in junior high so the girls would be like, hey, that guy knows his Bible. Motives were messed up, okay? But as I was doing that, I opened up. And I'm reading these scriptures, and the Holy Spirit grabbed my attention, called me, and I believed in the truth, as it says here in our scripture. I didn't tell anyone because I was embarrassed because everyone already thought I was following Christ, but that's what happened in my life. 
And so I'm just wondering, if you, I mean, that could be you sitting here this morning. Maybe you've come to church your whole life. Maybe you just started coming, whatever. It doesn't matter how much you've sat in church or have opened up a Bible. Have you responded to the call of the Holy Spirit to believe? And maybe you're thinking, yeah, but, but you do not understand what I've done. And you might be thinking, God, you don't understand what I've done. And all I would say to that is, if you're thinking that, then you don't understand what he did on the cross. Because he took care of all of that. Whatever that unmentionable, unthinkable thing is, he died for that. He, you're not fooling him. He knows everything. He's God. And he says, I know, and I loved you so much that I died for that sin. And I want to change your life from the inside out. And so, if you're responding to his call today, or if you have recently, in a couple weeks we're doing baptisms, why not just get baptized? Baptism is an opportunity for us to tell everyone, hey, I'm following Jesus. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is a picture of salvation. It's a picture of us dying to our sin, being washed clean by the blood of Christ, forgiven completely. And just like Christ rise from the dead, we rise. We get a brand new life, washed clean. And it isn't that we're then sinless, but it's now that our focus is not sin. Our focus is the Savior, Jesus Christ, and he walks with us. And so if you're interested in that, getting baptized, talk to me after the service today, or talk to Josh as well. But if you have responded to God's call to believe the truth of the gospel, then I would just invite you to stand amazed again. He pursued you. He called you. What love. A great way to do that if you're like, yeah, that's cool. If you, just some homework for you. I know you were hoping for that today. But here's just an idea. Go home and write down your God story or your testimony of how God changed your life. How do you you? trusted in Christ, you repented, you believed, and maybe that was more of a process, okay? Some people get like shy, like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't really have a story. I, I always did. Well, I know that you didn't come out of the womb knowing Jesus. That didn't happen. So somewhere along the line, Jesus changed your life. Just reflect on it, whether you want to write it down, share it with someone else today over lunch, or just think through it. But do it. So that it just refreshes your heart and your mind and helps you remind you of God's gracious call on your life and reminds you that he does indeed love you, even on a snowy day in March. What else does God loves us actually mean? Verse 14, he called you to this through our gospel so that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what it means. It means we get to share in Christ's glory. It means we are heaven bound. Paul's saying that God loves us by welcoming us into his peace and into his presence, his glory. And we get tastes of that now, of the insanely satisfying peace and presence of a relationship with Jesus. But one day we will experience his peace and his presence, his glory fully, forever. Heaven is not a place 
where we float around on clouds and play harps. That sounds terrible. I don't want in if that's what heaven's about. Heaven is literally going to be heaven on earth. Earth the way it was meant to be experienced with no pain, no sin, and we are with our Savior 24-7. Think of it like that. That is what it means that we share in Christ's glory for eternity. What love that he would welcome us into his eternal peace and presence. What does God loves us actually mean? We see next in verse 15, it means that we're invited into grace-motivated obedience. It says, verse 15, So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold to the traditions you were taught, whether by what we said or what we wrote. So notice the context and the approach that Paul uses here. He's definitely calling them to step it up, right? Hold, stand firm, hold to the traditions. And the traditions here simply are what Paul taught. Paul was an apostle. He, Jesus literally showed up in his life and said, here's your mission. You need to go tell people about Jesus and literally speak God's word to people. And then he wrote God's word, which is how we get 2 Thessalonians and 1 Thessalonians saying, hey, hold fast to the word that God spoke through me to you through my last letter and through what I said to you when I was with you. But he's calling them to step it up, but he's doing it in an inviting manner. He says, so then, because of the love and the grace of God that he just got done talking about, obey. And he calls them brothers and sisters. He reminds them of the relationship he has with them. He's close with them. This is what God loves us means when it comes to obeying God's commands. God doesn't say, hey, you better obey me or I'm not going to love you anymore. That's not God. He says, I love you. Now love me in return through obedience. It's an invitation. It's a get to. Praise God that although he could just demand obedience with a heavy hand, he instead invites us into obedience in response to his great love. I'm telling you, every single time that I've had any lasting victory over sin in my life, it's been out of grace-moded obedience, of me going, wow, he loves me the same even though I keep messing up the same. I want to love him in return. What love, what grace. It's mind-boggling. Recently, I've been, I've been seeking to grow and just being a little less reactionary and not responding so quickly to situations. And, and I've been owning that when I do it to God and to others and, and, and when I do react too quickly and, and, and then reminding myself of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ and letting that fuel me to keep battling. I haven't arrived yet. I, I, I still have some work to do. Jesus has some work to do through me. But how? How do you find victory? You find progress through grace-motivated obedience. God's love motivating you and propelling you forward. What does God's love actually mean? Verse 16 means we're encouraged eternally by our Father. 
16, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace. So it says, God our Father who has given us eternal encouragement. We have a Father who will continue to encourage us forever. So let me start with what this doesn't mean. This week I... um, I was bringing Joy and Brandon, my oldest, to 10 and 8, bringing them to school. Um, and I got in the drop-off line in my super cool minivan. And, and I, like, opened the door, or I pushed a button, actually. The door opens. And I'm like, all right, have a good day at school. Time to go. And they were hesitant, didn't really get up, you know, kind of, dragging their feet a little bit, and so I got frustrated, and then the line started moving, and I'm like, oh, I got the pressure of the people behind me, so I'm like, the door's open, so I just move forward, and I'm like, I'm like, you guys didn't get out when you are supposed to get out, come on, and I yelled at them, and then they get, I stopped, they get out, and that was the last thing, and they're clearly dejected as they're walking away from their dad, just yelling at them about something really stupid, and I drive away feeling like a moron, and so Um, I apologized to them when they got home that day, and I actually prayed as I drove away that God would override my stupidity so that their day wouldn't be ruined. Um, But that's the opposite of the Heavenly Father all the time. At base level, all the time, be encouraged by the fact that you are his child On top of that, you are just his child. He brings us encouragement right when we need it in just the right amount, in just the right way. Sometimes that's him being super tender with us. Sometimes it's him being pretty firm with us because that's actually what will bring us the most encouragement. But that's a different sermon. That's a different story for another day. We're encouraged eternally by our perfect heavenly father. What does God loves us actually mean? It also means that we have a living hope because of Jesus. Again, verse 16. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace. So we'll focus in here on the Lord Jesus Christ himself giving us good hope by grace. Because of what Jesus did by living, dying, rising from the dead, we have good hope or a living hope. He loves us by giving us hope that cannot die. That's what living hope means. Why? Because Jesus already died and then beat death. And because he beat death, he gave us a hope that cannot die. How comforting and assuring that when you hit your pillow at night, You don't have to wonder if Jesus will come again and save you. He will, without a doubt, that is love. So if you're prone to anxious and restless thoughts, especially at night, cling to the living, sure hope of Jesus. Yes, we have no idea what will happen tomorrow. Yes, we may have a million thoughts running through our mind, but you are loved by the king. 
and you will be with him forever if you are in Christ. So I would just say to you, if you struggle in this way, rest, breathe, sleep in peace because you have a hope that is sure and cannot die and will not be affected by what happens or doesn't happen tomorrow. What does God loves us actually mean? Verse 17. He will encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good work and word. We're strengthened to do good. God loves us by giving us the strength to do good, God-honoring things for him. Strength means that he, he literally gives us the physical energy to carry out good things for him when we are feeling weak physically. He gives us the strength, meaning he gives us the spiritual wisdom to know, even know what and how to do good things for him. And he gives us strength by giving us perseverance to continue to do good things for him, even when we don't want to or life is hard. Strengthened to do good. What does God loves us actually mean? It means that our prayers are effective. 3 verse 1 In addition, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. Paul's now asking the Thessalonians to pray for him in his efforts to share Christ. But think about it like this. Paul wouldn't ask for prayer if he didn't believe it worked. God loves us by making it so that our prayers are actually effective. Somehow in the mystery of God's sovereignty, prayer changes things. What love by God to invite us into affecting and shaping reality through prayer. God loves us means that even if it doesn't seem like it, even though it's hard, our prayers do something and are effective. What love that we get welcomed in to his work through prayer. Verse 2 and 3. And that he may be delivered from wicked and evil people. For not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. God loves us means that we are guarded from the evil one. That's what these verses are saying. God loves us by putting an impenetrable force field around us from evil. Now, we certainly can still hear and see and perceive evil around us. And we can be influenced by evil. No doubt. And the devil tries relentlessly to do that. But the reality is that as believers in Christ, we have a force field around us that will always be up. What love. Next, verse 5. May the Lord direct your hearts to God's love and Christ's endurance. God loves us by redirecting our hearts to his love. This, this is my, this is the most unthinkable, mind-blowing part of God's love for us in this passage. He, he directs our hearts to his love. 
So, so when you're not feeling loved by God, ask God to direct your heart to his love. I mean, how loving is that? I mean, think about this. It, it, it'd be like, like relationally. It'd be like with someone else, say your spouse or a friend. It's like, man, they tell us, I don't really feel loved by you. What does that make you want to do? You either want to just split and run or you want to try extra hard. But God is sitting there and he goes, you know what? You're not feeling loved by me, then I'm going to help you feel loved by me today in the perfect way. What? See, that is, that is love. And that's what Paul's praying for. May the Lord direct your hearts to God's love. But not just to his love, it's better than that. To his endurance. See, he gets us in our trials. The Lord doesn't just direct us to his love. When we're going through hard times, when we're going through unthinkable suffering, he reminds us of Christ and reminds us that he gets it. He understands what it's like to go through hard times and to endure because he did it and he's right there with you. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize us in our weakness sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but one who is tempted in every way, but yet was without sin. That's Jesus. He understands us in our trials. And so, you probably already noticed, we switched things around this morning, maybe even messed with your, your schedule a little bit. It's okay, I'm happy to do it. You're welcome. But we're going to have an extended time of worship in a minute to really celebrate and enjoy the love of God together. Because I, I can't just stand up here and give a message on God's love and see this in the scripture and then sing a little song and leave. No, we're going we're gonna to just soak in it. And I want you to pay close attention to the lyrics as you sing and just soak up the love of God. Before we do that, I want the love of God through these scriptures to wash over you. So just, just listen. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Who is a God like you, forgiving iniquity and passing over rebellion for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not hold on to his anger forever because he delights in faithful love. For you, Lord, are kind and ready to forgive, abounding in faithful love to all who call on you. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cries for mercy. I call on you in the day of my distress, for you will answer me. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in in faithful love. How precious is your steadfast love, O oh God, the children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God.
Yes, Jesus. So I pray that for us this morning. As we transition to just soaking in your love, I pray, Jesus, that you would just remind us of your great love. And maybe this morning, it's the first time we've been called by the Spirit and that this would be a celebration like none other we've ever had in our lives before that we would find such love and joy and encouragement in your arms, Jesus. And I thank you that you are our Father that is unlike me or any other Father as great as some fathers have been on this earth. You are greater. And I pray, Jesus, that you would overwhelm us with your love. I pray, Jesus, that as we sing these songs, that you would be honored and praised, but that we would feel and experience your love, Jesus. I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to be able to do that. I pray against the enemy who loves to kill and steal and destroy moments like we're about to have. Keep him far from our minds. That he would have no place here in the name of Jesus and that we would just enjoy you and your presence and your great love. Now I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.